Um, so <coughs> I was uh, quite happy today when you uh, spoke about happiness and yes. delight, because mm -hmm. this um, the whole concept of the of the, the I, the me, and the non-self mm. yes. is something I was kind of hoping to, to whatever to learn more during yes. this week also. Mm. And then it also resonated to me that when you said yesterday that, you know, meditation is not just something very easy, it's something very radical. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, you know, looking into the face of life. And I always found that the idea of the non-self mm. is something very radical mm. in Buddhism. Mm. Um, mm. And I'm not sure how well often this is understood, also including by myself. Yes. But of course, the idea <coughs> is also very positive in a sense that when you feel your your craving and your greed and yes. all your your mm. hatred or whatever comes out, that you can push it away and understand this is not my hatred and my mm. greed, but it's hatred, mm. greed, yes. aversion. No? So it's, it's quite a helpful concept. Mm. And. And of course, then also because watching, you know, the the kind of impermanence. It, it, uh, this is the key key thing for me in a way when, when I try to meditate. But but then I'm also I have a job. I'm a father. Yes. Um, and so so I'm I'm kind of struggling with this, you know, way of how to bring this very radical fundamental idea, mm. and then the need to have some sort of conventional eye. Mm. Mm. That sometimes I think also has to be quite strong because mm. uh, yeah I need to tell people what to do or <laughs> go this way or that way <laughs> and I need to educate my children in yeah. one way or the other uh, so for this I, I need to to have convictions or ideas or be able to argue for something sometimes mm. be strict mm. so th that's something I would like to discuss a sure. little more uh, it is as you said that. <coughs> The, the questioning of the I, of the I and the my, the looking and exploration uh, into it, the willingness to question the whole construct of the self, the use of the language of non-self <coughs> is genuinely radical. It's a challenge <coughs> to so much of what we have carefully constructed about our self. Mm -hmm. And uh, the teachings and the meditations, the reflections and the dynamics, the dialogues, are a willingness to question what appears to be initially self-evident. It is not a teaching of annihilation or negation of I. The, the teachings stay faithful and true to a middle way. It's not a teachings of no I, no my, no self. It's not a teaching which on the other extreme affirms there is an I, there is a self, there is a my. It's the challenge of experience and exploration is to find some middle ground here. 
you gave, came to two aspects, uh, more than two. But I'll just take for a moment and then I'll <coughs> ask you a few questions. The first one, the self in its most problematic expression shows itself in what the Buddha referred to as the fires of the mind, the greed, the wanting with the dependency on getting what I want, like mm-hmm. I spoke the, uh, the blame and the anger and the negativity, the fears and the confusions and the delusions, the fires of the mind, as they referred to. And in those states, with all the anxiety, worry, insecurity, doubt, the putting oneself up, putting oneself down, in the middle of all that, there is the eye. Right in the thick of it. And the eye gets wrapped around all these problematic mind states. And all the reaction that can go with it. So part part of the exploration and practice is certainly reducing the I and the my in the world of these fires of the mind. Mm -hmm. It's a task, it's a responsibility, it's an act of mindfulness, it's an act of concern about the impact that it has on our life. And you mentioned being a father on the children's life and on anybody else's uh, uh, life. Does it require, the question now, you then switched over, so, so to speak, to, oh, I can't remember the language, but, oh, I am a father, that sticks in the mind. Mm. Um, and they have children and there's the education and Something like, I have to have a strong eye. Something and I have a job. So. And I have a job, exactly. <laughs> the, the full catastrophe. <laughs> so, there is these, the worker, uh, the father, the husband, all of that process going on. Is it about having a strong eye? Is, is, is that what's... The, what is what is a strong eye? I think it was the word that you used. Yeah, I think I did. Um, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I asked my question. Yeah. I, I, guess, I guess it is. Sometimes um, it's not. It's, I don't mean so much. It's about you know. Of course, uh, as you said, you you you, you realize. That, you, that your eye is very strong and once you realize that it has a value by itself so you try to reduce yeah alright sorry 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 every okay. statement will be important <laughs> I see I have a strong eye I look at this strong eye why would you um, I'm agreement but why would you want to reduce I've got a strong eye why, why would you want because to because I do already understand through reading practice yeah. that normally the strong eye will produce something that is not um, positive if why, I, if why I, is, yeah. if I let my if I have anger is normal but if I let it out strongly it yeah. might produce something negative or it, it uh, will or also mm. other uh, right. so, so, so in a way the value <coughs> is you realize 
Yes. That something the eye is strong, or and, and yes. then you can already pull it back a little bit. So, a strong eye can manifest itself in the wanting, mm-hmm. wanting my own way. Yeah. It can manifest a strong eye in blocking the opportunity to listen to another. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is my opinion, and I'm right yeah. uh, there. And a, uh, uh, a strong eye can give a sense of self-importance mm-hmm. over and above others. Is the alternative to a strong eye a weak eye? It's not really good advantage. No, I, I, I agree. <laughs> All right. So, so I've got, I got a sh- strong eye there. My kids tell me. And my whatever, shall I, they may or may not, but and or I just feel it in myself. I coming, I'm coming over too strong. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got to discipline. Them. Was that word discipline used? I didn't use it. No, all right, lucky. So <laughs> uh, I have to uh, educate my kids, you know, etc. So what is the alternative between a strong eye, which could bring a reaction from others mm. and a weak eye in which others walk over you take no notice of you because they think, oh yeah, you're so weak <laughs> um, well, is there any alternative between yeah. a strong eye and a weak eye? I guess it's a self-reflective eye a self-reflective eye alright <laughs> <laughs> what would be fair enough what would be an expression or a language where you self-reflect or you reflect on the eye or either strong or weak? How would that show itself? What would be the confirmation this is what you're engaged in? Because the idea, as I said, of a strong or weak eye, it's dukkha, it's unsatisfactory, no good for anybody, not you nor anybody else. And one wants to engage in some reflection, what would it be? Hmm. Well, I don't know, but I, I mean, I guess it's maybe the, the barrel skill to give, to give also space to the other. Okay. You know, I keep my strong eye, but I try to create some space Besides the head, you, 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 you'd be lucky. <laughs> you see, that's why I asked the question. That's why I asked the question. I asked difficult questions. That's, yeah. that's my job. <laughs> the, the idea, it's a rather sweet idea because the self wants it both ways. I'll keep my strong eye, but I'll be very spacious. <laughs> that's having your cake and eating it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. so I'm still with the same, same question what is a way of relating to life in this case yourself and other which is not about the self, the I being <coughs> maybe the common nature that the common nature the that we all have you know, the all right, same it's a good start. All right. Uh, and that no, go on yeah. Not everybody has a strong eye, I have to say. Mm-hmm. But um, 
What, what? It's, it's like, what would be an expression of a common nature? So instead of the eye this way or that way, what, what confirms to you the, a common nature of, of you with the other, others in front of you? Family, kids, friends, the sangha of practitioners, whoever. It's maybe empathy for empathy. our human condition, that we're all in the same boat with the same <coughs> condition. That we're yes, yes. I, I mentioned Anjan Buddhadasa today. He would start off his talks with a great statement of empathy. Dear brothers and sisters in birth, ageing, pain and death. <laughs> Pretty clear. Something to be shared. No, that's true, but, but that's for me the macro level, no, of yeah. this pain, death, suffering. Yeah. That we all share this. I, I think that's that that's why it's at a macro level so clear okay. that the normal right. self is such a strong Yes. But at the very practical day to day level, this all is right. this is where mm. my struggle. All right. I mean I'm struggling everywhere, but no, no. <laughs> this is where the question was. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, genuinely a valid so we might have to go from the personal language, the I and the my, to a more <coughs> impersonal language, empathy mm-hmm. might express that. But some kind of wisdom with life in which the temperature, hot or cold, so to speak, with the I and the my, is less significant and a greater interest in finding a wisdom with this life. Mm-hmm. What contributes to finding a wisdom rather than the preservation of some kind of I? What can give you some support to the finding of wisdom in the face of situations? It's a hard question. Can you rephrase it? No. (laughs) 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 So I should try. (laughs) What can help me to find wisdom? Yeah, to find wisdom. So there's less focus on this world of I and my. All that goes along uh, uh, with it. And therefore... You, you could take something important to you, you could take your kids, uh, you could take yourself, or uh, you could take the work situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes we have a picture, an image of how we should be. We have an image, a picture. Mm-hmm. And this image and picture that we have may not be supportive to the situation. Strong eye, weak eye, yeah, you know, etc., yeah. etc. Et so I say, okay, I don't want to live in a picture view of myself and how I should be. Mm-hmm. If I don't want to live like that, what way can I find another way of being?
guess I know what you mean, but I cannot no, answer the question. It, it, um, it, 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 in a way, sometimes, particularly with these kind of questions, they are not easy, no intention of asking easy questions anyway. Um, it's the kind of movement that is going on inside. Though in the asking of the question, I am curious with the response, obviously, sometimes the most valid response is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Period. I don't know. And that I don't know, I don't know, is as profound a response as any other. It's got tremendous potential with it. The eye doesn't know. How could it know? And to rest in the not knowing is important. We have to have learn to love this not knowing. But, but I mean, it's it's of course also about just learning to accept. Well, but there's a contradiction here also. <laughs> I wanted to say yes. to accept everything as it is, right? Just as it is, right? That's, that's also what we are training here, I guess. To we're to not to take things as they are. <laughs> I I. I I can't remember actually using the word acceptance in the last 48 hours. No, not I have an allergic yeah. reaction yeah, to the yeah. word. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Take things as they are? No, no, no. it's the same nice way of saying it. So I'm, I'm sorry, but <laughs> if I accept things as they are, I will continue with my strong self. If I accept things as they are, I will continue with my weak self. No, but I mean what comes to me mm. in this sense. Not, not yes. with me, but accept whatever comes to mm. me as it comes to me. This is what But I, mean. I don't know any human being who can live like that. that. I've not, not met anybody. There are plenty of situations in life which come to it. And we see that and we wish to make a change. Mm, true. We don't accept it. I think the freedom to not accept with wisdom, is a really important freedom in life. Mm. And there are some things in life to accept, mm. uh, uh, clearly. But to, to really be clear about what is to be accepted and what is not to be accepted is an important aspect of wisdom. There is too much in this um, spiritual world of this acceptance language. I don't see the wisdom of... Uh, that kind of religious ideology, and to, and the excess on the non-acceptance tends to bring reaction and anger and negativity. Mm-hmm. We need the wisdom uh, element uh, here, but the don't know the exploration and this uh, not knowing 
not definitely not an answer but it might just generate a space and the receptivity for something to move and come through the being either sometimes from within or sometimes from without like we just heard with the good speaker just previously she's reading something there's a receptivity or hearing I can't remember and it just touches mm. and it raises a, a deep question about awakening and suffering ok <laughs> thank you okay. I'll give a short reflection at the end of this <coughs> <coughs> so we just have a couple of uh, quiet minutes then I'll give a short reflection There are plenty of times in the rhythms and the flows of the daily life which just kind of get on with the living experience in the variety of ways available to us. And then there are these precious expressions of the infinite, of that which is a kind of standout. So you and I might read whatever we might read and then a line comes out from a text or from a poem or from a play or from the words of a person wherever, whatever it might be and the meeting point of that which comes to us and that receptivity from within the touch of the two so to speak that when something resonates strongly in this kind of uh, dynamic there's a truth there which we have felt a response to so truth is not in the book it's certainly not within us Um, but there are situations where conditions come together and something stands out and in some way or other we kind of have a sense as the person said of seeing the truth of it and when truth has touched it has a certain staying power to it 
something in our being repeats it, it touches us, something significant. The truth may, may be of the kind that we just heard, I was naturally curious afterwards, if the, uh, the Zen master is still around, and if he is, we could send him a link to this inquiry. He might be <laughs> curious to see what's happening to his uh, insightful words. And their willingness to stay with the sentence can carry and communicate a greater truth than a hundred books and a thousand Dharma talks put together. Sometimes it's just in the small that something bigger gets revealed to us there. And that synchronicity is really worth applying, not only to the outer, but equally important, sometimes a great truth, so to speak, emerges out of the being. We didn't think it up, we didn't imagine it, we couldn't work it out, but something out of it just comes, it sometimes is a surprise to ourself, let alone anybody else. And in its emergence, some truth has come. And those insights or realizations from without, from within, or both, can really set a whole fresh priority uh, with, with, the, uh, with the life. And the best of truth, as we were um, hearing, it points to points to a certain transcendence of the ordinary. Dharma teachings are deeply interested in this transcendent. Gate, gate, paragate, parasamgate. Gone, gone, gone to the beyond. I don't mean some airy-fairy place up in there. It's that there's the ordinariness of life. There's some suffering in life. There's the wish to be healed from that suffering and, and the precious work that people do with regard to that. And then a single sentence comes about awakening and waking up which is beyond it. It's not distance from, but it's above it. It's beyond it in some way or other. And these lines and sentences can remind us that there is more to life than my self-existence, my story, events in my life. Much more to life. And sometimes we need the poetic utterance. We need the word. We need the silence to remind us of something bigger than this little frame called I and my. And that transcendence puts the life into perspective. And if it puts the life into perspective it puts our death into it as well. There are times as well, as we uh, listen with the <clears throat> this world of, uh, of our eye, we're so used to, humanly enough, and we hear it, we hear it in therapy, we hear it in school, we hear it in uh, spirituality, we hear it in uh, certain circles about building up the self. We hear the language as well of finding one's 
true self. That's another selfie culture. And the problematic aspect with all of these kind of, for me anyway, with all these kind of views is who on earth is deciding this is my true self? Which self is taking up the, oh, I found my true self. Who, who found it? Etc. And then when there's a little bit of change later on, oh, maybe that wasn't my true self. Etc. And then when it starts on the journey again. But then who's also starting on the journey? Which self is that? Helpful one or an unhelpful one? I mean, it's a circle. So rather than positing a true self and a false self and an <coughs> untrue self and God knows what I am self. Uh, uh, it's not easy. This is the radical aspect that the good person referred to. Is it possible just to recognise at times, as he said at the beginning, when there is something problematic going on in one's life, and in that problematic aspect, there will be the self in it. Not possible to have a problem without an I or a my in it. Whether you're thinking about somebody else, or whether you're thinking about yourself, or thinking about the fate of the earth, when it's problematic, the view and the self is all locked in there together. There. Problematic views about life do not help anybody. They are not supportive. It's the wisdom that counts. And it isn't empathy when somebody relates a painful story to us. And then we say, Oh, I know how you feel. I had the same myself. This isn't empathy. The, unfortunately, this kind of view does nothing to support the person. And sometimes, the one who says, oh, I know how you feel, they start telling their story. And the empathy is really gone then, because they can't be bothered to listen to the person who is suffering because they've got their similar story to tell. Yeah. Empathy is the story getting out of the way so we can listen. So we can ask. So we can love. So we can forget our self. And when we forget ourself we can listen and when we can listen we can find empathy and when the appropriate times when we speak about ourself when we share our story we want to make sure as much as we can that the listener is actually interested Sometimes we are so keen to tell the story over the cappuccino, over the evening meal with the family, or whatever it might be, and we are so engrossed, we don't notice that the person is yawning, 
looking at their watch every two or three minutes, checking their text messages. Because we're in our story. So the mindfulness or the awareness needs to be bigger than the story. It needs to include the other. Only once, maybe twice, but certainly, if I may say, off the subject here, I think only once do I ever remember falling asleep in an interview. (laughs) (laughs) With no apologies. The person sat down in front of me if I was to make a guess, she's probably in therapy, if to make a guess, probably Jungian. The person sat down in front of me and said, Christopher, I've had, just had this last night, this incredible dream. Said, oh no, please. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I really have to share it with you. Oh no, please. <laughs> and then the person is going into the detail of their dream and I'm going yes mm. yes interesting interesting is the English word for this is the most boring thing I've ever listened to but we can't say that we're English so we say interesting just remember if you go to England you hear the word interesting <laughs> you know what the underlying meaning of it is <laughs> and and then she went oh and I went, yes, yes. <laughs> and then she said, am I putting you to sleep? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so, there's the place for the story. Of course, human stories are precious and lovely and interesting, but not at the expense not so the self is so lost in the story we can't see outside the story in this case to, to the other and as asking just finally that not easy question the, the Buddha's first discourse is on this theme of the problem of constantly trying to build up the self on the one side and going to the other extreme of constantly putting oneself down. And how we swing between these two extremes, and therefore can we find some middle way, which is not about building the self up, nor putting ourselves down. Uh, it generally, as the person expressed there, quite difficult to find a language where it kind of communicates that in some way or other. And the language does get a little bit more impersonal. It gets a little bit more non-self. It's a little bit more about mindfulness, so we say, or awareness, or seeing clearly, or exploring, or learning from, or listening to, or whatever. The language itself has less use of the I and and the my. And we can find and navigate, not easy, along those lines, we will notice much more quickly 
the building up of the self. Because when we build up the self, that the higher we go, the more we will look down on the other. That's the consequences of building up the self. And the more that we put ourselves down, not only does it generate a low sense of self-worth, but it gives the idea that other people are much better off than I am. And there has to be some genuinely uh, caring alternative to this building up and putting down. And that's our exploration. That's our, that's our practice. And that practice will bring its own happiness. Enough. Thank you for lending an ear. <laughs> the time now is uh, 8.40. Our dear bell ringer would kindly ring the bell in uh, 20 minutes time. And then at five past nine through till 9.30, we'll have the, the silent sitting together. Thank you, and thank you for the two contributions.